You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 140, the mybookie.ag, Thursday edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, this time of year, look, we're in full-on draft talk mode here. Obviously, just the game Sunday with the Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh looking more and more like they are going to probably pretty much rest about everyone they had. They have, I should say. You know, who knows? Maybe even James Harrison would have gotten a play if he stuck around. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how that plays out. Look, nothing's going to change. They are still locked and loaded at pick number one overall. Uh, biggest thing we're looking for as Browns fans this week is, you know, Colts, go ahead, take down Houston. Uh, make sure we lock uh, Browns in at picks one and pick four. And more importantly, you're talking probably you know, that'll put four picks in the top 35, most likely. Look, uh, you know, the best thing for you to do is to have the most amount of guys on the board, you know, for Cleveland. That's, that's what we need. Bodies, playmakers, just keep the uh, the youth uh, development rolling on here. Uh, one of my favorite draft, uh, draft guys, a guy I've done a lot of shows with over the years, and it's actually kind of nice to re- reconnect here tonight. Uh, buddy of mine out of Alabama, Mr. James Coburn. James, my man, how have you been, bud? Yeah, I've been really good. It's been, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of work to get to this point, obviously, but uh, it's been pretty amazing in terms of uh, all the data stuff, the draft stuff, and uh, all the other NFL stuff. So, okay, uh, James. First things first. Let everybody know how they can find the YouTube channel and everything that you're putting out there, guys. Uh, it, it's a great resource. Uh, James, you know, covers isn't just giving you I, you know, an I assessment. He's giving you assessment. You know, based on speed, based on production, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff there. So go ahead, James. Tell them where they can find all that. Uh, sure. You can uh, check. You can find the YouTube channel at Common Man Football uh, on YouTube. You can also check out the Twitter, my Twitter account, at Geometrics, where it has a link to my YouTube channel. Or you can also check out uh, draftcoburn.wordpress.com, which is my blog where I post pretty much all my research and all my data pretty much gets posted to that site so a lot of people go where did you come up with this stuff and it's like it's it's all right there you know for the most part so uh try to be as transparent as possible i guess when it comes to stuff like this okay now obviously today we're going to get more into the production and obviously you know some eye analysis you know obviously you know when you're doing the numbers you know the combine and things like that as far as speed and wet measurement and all that stuff you know, that stuff's not going to be available till february guys so you know keep james in mind he's always a great Great follow for Combine uh, weekend and coverage and, uh, you know, how it kind of gets the ball rolling into a full player assessment. Uh, James, I guess we'll start here. Uh, look, uh, there's there's no doubt, uh, you know, Cleveland has trotted out a 21-year-old quarter, quarterback this year in way over his head. Uh, in He went from a bad situation in college to a bad situation in the NFL. Um, with the number one overall pick, it looks like it's going to be a solid group here of guys at the top. First and foremost, I guess because maybe he's kind of lit the lamp here. He was the guy Cleveland wanted, and already it seems like he might have some slight hesitation coming here. But Josh Rosen, uh, number wise, and what you see, you know, what do you look? At? I mean, you know, what kind of guy can you know Cleveland fans expect if he ends up being the guy? Well, I mean, when it comes to Josh Rosen, uh, based on you know his data and his other information, he pretty much profiles as a Pro Bowl uh, caliber quarterback potentially. Uh, I've always kind of compared him to Matt Ryan on film. You know, he just has that one because of stylistically, he looks kind of like Matt Ryan. You know, kind of looks like Matt Ryan uh, in terms of uh, what he looks like on film. Uh, but 
he has you know a lot of different sort of qualities that are very similar to him based on his uh, production profile. I will say this though: the only issues I've ever had on film with him have just been his decision making at times. And to begin the year, he actually was pretty poor in that department. Uh, you know, at the midpoint of the season, I was actually, you know, he ended up finishing the season with about an 88.82 out of 100 uh, quarterback score. At the midpoint of the season, he was rocking about like a 60-plus score. So he was able to kind of finish off the season strong uh, versus how he began the year. However, um, you know, those are just most of the sort of question marks with Josh Rosen. I think everything else about him, watch him on film, he definitely has the arm talent to pretty much make every throw you want him to make. Uh, Production-wise, he pretty much hits everything you want a guy to hit. The only question really is some of the character stuff, which is really not really my department. You know, like I, uh, that, that more has to do with like NFL team getting to know him and studying him and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. So, because um, I do know there are some uh, guys in the draft community who don't like his kind of entitled attitude and you know stuff like that with him, uh, which kind of puts some teams off a little bit. Well, I guess you know when when you know he you know Josh Rosen was basically born with a silver spoon in his mouth, so you know, the sense of entitlement. I guess you can kind of understand how that would happen. Uh, the poor decision making. You now you talked about you know during the earlier season, you know uh, the the interception at Memphis. You know the roll right. You know just toss the ball to the center of the field. You know that's just a terrible throw. Very Eli Manningish in that respect. That you know that was one. You know, obviously you know he wish he could have had back later. Uh, we're gonna get you know we'll talk a little bit about the other guys. It, it is. If everything does, it look like Josh Rosen is going to turn out to be top ranked for you, or is somebody else going to take that crown? Well, if you're going purely on data, uh, and again, like the the top rated quarterback I had last year was Deshaun Watson, based on data. Uh, this year, that guy would be Baker Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield is a guy that has had three ninety plus percentile seasons at Oklahoma, which is not you don't even need that. Like, he didn't have to do that, but he did it. You know, he, he was able to put in three extremely high-quality uh, seasons. Uh, he's the top quarterback this year in particular as well in terms of his overall data. Uh, film-wise, he's a guy who can make every every throw imaginable. I don't really see any areas where he doesn't have issues. And honestly, when I was doing film work prior to the season, what really impressed me most about Baker Mayfield was just the catchability of his passes you know he, he throws a very very catchable football he gets it exactly where it needs to go so the so wide receiver has a pretty easy you know time catching it which is something you can't always say of these other quarterbacks you know quarterbacks have these big arms and they can just drill it down the field and a lot of times they don't have that catchability with their throws at times you know and a lot of times people blame the wide receiver or the tight end and a lot of times it's like well no just throw a better pass and uh, that's the one thing i'll say about baker midfield is he he's probably in terms of like the skill set he brings to the table, that's the best in this class. I would say is the catchability of his passes. Okay, now uh, size is going to be something that probably hurts Baker. I don't agree with the whole size misconception, only because of this. If you look at the data, as I do, quarterbacks like Russell Wilson had ninety plus percentile college seasons. Drew Brees had ninety plus percentile college seasons. Steve Young even, and that's the thing about Steve Young that a lot of people don't realizes he even admitted that at BYU he was six foot you know he basically was like six foot and a couple quarters here and there um but when he put cleats on he was taller you know he, he, he hit more six foot two and he actually had cleats on uh height at the quarterback position 
realistically speaking, things like production are more important, or at least I put more stock into that versus height. Um, and I do understand that this is obviously going to be a debate that people are going to have forever about what matters most, height or this. But I just think you're going to hit on the quarterback position more often by paying attention to, one, the film, but also the production. And if a guy has the, all the production traits you're looking for, has all the film traits you're looking for, and the only thing that's missing about the guy is height, then... I don't really think that that should be a disqualifier. Like, I don't think that if, if height is the only major disqualifier for a guy, then that really shouldn't be a, a, a red, like you shouldn't drop a guy completely off your board. You shouldn't treat a guy as if he's not going to be good just because of one uh, trait that honestly has been proven time and time again with guys like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Steve Young, etc., to not be as big of a deal if they have the film traits and they have uh, the production traits. Uh, I see. I see. So look, I mean, that's the thing. Look, you know, there's the one box you can't check. But in the same respect, guys, from what James is saying, it's fantastic if you're six foot five and you look the part and everything else. But if you can't throw the ball worth a piss, what the hell's the point of it all anyway? Uh, guys, this bowl season is here. Uh, you know, if you're looking to get in on some action, obviously we've got a lot of games tomorrow, a lot of games Saturday. Obviously, New Year's Day is one of my absolute favorite days. I only wish there were more bowls. It seems like there's less now than when I grew up. I used to get the three, four TV setup going. Obviously, a lot easier nowadays with computer and monitors. But uh, get into the action over at mybookie.ag. Uh, you know, use a lot of these uh, you know betting sites. You know, you kind of get screwed around with the money. Mybookie is quick. Uh, the, the, the turnaround is quick. You know, you, you win your bet, you get your money quickly. I've used them. I will speak for them. You don't have to trust me. Go ahead, give them a shot. Uh, you go ahead. I'm going to give you a promo code. Use locked on. They're going to match your uh, whatever money you put in. They'll match it. I believe it's up to 50%. Uh, so, you know, put in 25 bucks. You know, they'll give you 35, 40 bucks, whatever. Start from there. Uh, get yourself in on the action here. Uh, they do, obviously, you know, in live in-game betting as well. There's just it's a, it's a great app. I'm a fan of it. Uh, you know, everything's worked out for me whenever I've used it. You know, look, the, the money was gone if I lost. The money was put back in if I won. But go ahead, check out mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, Jim, obviously, I'm going to have you on a couple more other times here as the draft uh, season goes on. So uh, we won't get into the guys who haven't declared yet. You know, uh, obviously, you know, it looks like maybe Jackson will, maybe Darnold won't. Uh, let's go with one more quarterback here, and this is, I mean, the wild card of it all. Uh, Josh Allen, Wyoming. Uh, the league, you know, in some circles seems that people love him, but anybody who's actually tried to watch this young man play football you got a lot of hesitation and you got a lot of questions absolutely uh josh allen uh, is a interesting he's a very interesting case because uh there's a lot of people who say that you know real i think as the term has been well real scouts don't you know look at stats uh stats don't matter uh and don't get me wrong josh allen is definitely a quarterback who you can have gifts here and there of him making these wild, crazy plays. You could sync up Aaron Rodgers with him. Like he could make like a little highlight mixtape, you know, and get your hip hop music and have a little Aaron Rodgers, and then show Josh Allen doing something very similar to him. But when you actually put on the tape and you actually put on the film and you actually watch a entire football game of this guy, you have some games where he has those crazy plays that he makes that are very interesting and, and very, you know, they get the blood flowing basically. 
in between throwing in the triple coverage, in between not being able to complete a screen pass at times because he doesn't have great touch and accuracy at times on screen passes, uh, which is very Hackenberg-esque, I would say. It's a very <laughs> Hackenberg-esque trait that Hackenberg had. But not only that, uh, based on his quarterback score, uh, you know, 2016 he had a 26 out of 100 uh, quarterback score. And this year, he obviously was worse with a 14.22 quarterback score. And based on my data, the only quarterbacks that were able to become long-term starters since 1958 with scores that low were players like Jake DeLome or Josh McCallan. And I don't think, if you, if you go back to those draft classes when Jake DeLome was drafted and when Josh McCallan was drafted, I don't think any GM was willing to spend a top-10 pick on those guys. And not only that... Jake DeLome went to NFL Europe and developed a bit and then came to the NFL. Josh McCown was a journeyman quarterback for a very, very long time. Like Josh McCown wasn't given a starting quarterback job until he was with the Chicago Bears. And now he's been able to find life in his 30s. But if you're an NFL team and you're taking a guy like Josh Allen, and don't get me wrong, he does have a lot of talent. But you don't want to take a guy where he's going to peak in his 30s. You know, you want a guy that is ready right now ready to win you games right now and that's the biggest issue with josh allen at least for me on film is the talent is definitely there but based on his production based on his other areas he he's basically a project and there's been a I, there's been a ton of people who have argued i don't get in all their names but you know the types the me, a couple media types here and there have said is he a project is he nfl ready he's not nfl ready he's a project and that is not something that if you are a team picking in the top 10 you, you don't draft a guy who's a project you want to draft somebody who's a little bit more ready to start because otherwise you're going to have years and years of turmoil if it's a bad football team already which that's the other thing too if you're picking in the top 10 you're, you're a bad football team there's no you know there's no ends or buts about it so you don't want to take a guy who not only goes to a bad football team but also is just a bad player you know or at least not ready to to play because we've seen that with a guy like with deshaun kaiser for example guy who definitely is very talented but he's on a bad football team at least in terms of wide receivers and other sort of stuff so um not not the best environment to develop and as a result you could actually do more damage taking a project that high versus taking a more so in the mid rounds or late rounds even because to me he's more of a day three project guy you know um and i don't know why we have this race to jump off a cliff to me because that's really what it feels like because there's just not a lot of that you can't find that many quarterbacks who scored as low as he has, who ended up becoming long-term starters right off the bat, or even within the first three years, you know? So it's just kind of a scary proposition to make, to take a guy like that, that high. Yeah. And, and see, that's a difficult thing. It almost seems like some big names, you know, it, whether within the league, within NFL teams, within the draft community, almost wanted to use like Josh Allen, like almost like a, like a test case, like, Hey, because you know, we, we here we are last November. Hey, here's a guy to watch. Here's a really interesting guy. You know, you know, obviously playing in the conference he is, and then all of a sudden he may go pro. He may go one, and then you know, we started off this year. You know, the Iowa game, everybody was ready. He's going to play a big time, and it was just you know, I mean, absolutely spit the bit. Um, you know, it, I, it's to the point where I feel bad personally for Josh Allen for all that's gone on for him because it almost seems like he was some people's like almost you know I want to you know test two baby type of thing. You know, where they wanted to see you know. If they threw it out there, what would happen? You know, now here's the kid, and he's walking away from Wyoming. You know, for me personally, I, I think he should have went and found himself, 
a bigger program. Look, there's some teams in the SEC. The SEC quarterback play has not been what it has been for years. I would have loved to see him go down there, play with some legitimate NFL talent, because you know what? I know what a lot of people who make the case for him say, oh, well, he's got nothing around him. Well, you want to know what? Well, let's put him around. It's, I mean, it's way too much of a wild card. And I love that you brought up Deshaun Kaiser because, look, Cleveland, this is an absolute stay away by no means. But, I mean, look, you have 12 draft picks. If he's available there in round five, you want to take a second quarterback, that's fine. But Josh Allen and, you know, I forget who put out the tweet today that the Browns are interested. There's just no way, guys. There's nothing feasible that makes any possible sense about drafting Josh Allen in the top ten of the draft. No offense to Josh Allen. He seems like a real nice kid. I just think he's in a bad spot. Jim, I want to move over to the running back position here because I, I think we're going to keep this one more to the offensive side of the ball because this is pretty much exactly, you know, the biggest thing Cleveland needs right now. Uh, Absolutely. Run- <laughs> yes, exactly. Running back-wise, uh, obviously the, all the t- talk is Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis up top. Uh, what separates the two of them? Uh, and, you know, it, Barkley, I know people are extremely high on, which I am as well. You know, but I do understand the you know the hesitation that you know maybe a running back shouldn't be drafted that high, but you do counteract it with the success of Zeke, this the success of Leonard Fournette, the success of a Todd Gurley. So go ahead and speak on that for me a little bit. Well, yeah, it's definitely a tough uh, you know decision between both these backs. Uh, Production wise, they actually tested very similarly. Uh, Barkley scored about two points more than Geis, but they're in the same sort of potential range, uh, basically like a five-time Pro Bowl potential type uh, running back, you know, like a Quentin Portis or, you know, that type of guy, uh, if you will. Uh, But for me, in terms of who's the better back, I mean, it's Barkley for me. Um, And it's mainly on film. I do like Geis a lot. I think he's he pretty much brings a lot of interesting things to the table in terms of also kind of being kind of a, a, a bigger... Um, I, I kind of don't really have the best sort of comparison for him yet, per se, but I do like kind of what he brings to the table. But with Barkley, I just think that this is a guy that can do everything for you. He, he can do all the things that a running back is supposed to do. He can catch the football out of the backfield at a very high level. And this was, a, this was another running back that, to me, at the very beginning of the season uh, for Barkley, I was watching him just kind of run routes, you know, just regular sort of, you know, running back routes here and there. And it was just sort of strange to see a guy who's 220 pounds, you know, kind of built like a back being able to do uh, some pretty good, uh, you know, very nifty footwork to say the least. So um, he's definitely a guy that I just like just because he brings all those facets to his game, improved his pass protection as well. Uh, this year in particular, he, his production did dip a bit at the very beginning of the year. Uh, he was like over 40% in terms of like his overall market share, which is like elite level. And then as the season went on, um, and the losses kind of piled up a bit too, and teams kind of keyed on him more because, you know, he was pretty much the main weapon at Penn state this year for the most part. Like there was like, he going to stop Deshaun Hamilton, you know, like, like you're going <laughs> to try to stop Barkley. Right. So, uh, or Trace McSorley, like Trace McSorley's not exactly giving defensive coordinators headaches. So, um, teams started to key on Barkley more and, and kind of lowered his production. But even with all that, I still think that he's definitely is a back deserving of a top five pick. And for me, he's one of those backs on film where I think as Bill Carroll liked to put it, he called it grandma scouting, where you could show this guy to your grandmother and she would go, that's a good player. You know, like you could show it to anybody on the street, just get a, get a clip of him, show one game and they go, wow, he looks pretty good. 
you know, and that's the type of player that he is on film. Just immediately, yeah, that's that's a good player. Uh, now the rest of this running back group, are we going to, you know, and, and I, I agree with you on Barkley, and it's it's not a discount to say that, you know, I prefer Barkley over Geis, and I think Geis could probably still very easily go top fifteen. Uh, you know, I, and what you brought up with the route running, it, it's the short, choppy steps. It's you know, you know me, I'm a you know the re- receiver in me. I'm a fa- I'm a huge fan of guys running routes the correct way. It's great that you're a phenomenal athlete and you can get away with not always doing things the right way. But him, you know, sinks the hips, the short, choppy steps, the in, the out, the head moves with the body. You know, I, I truly think he he really gets it. I think you're talking a Le'Veon Bell type of player. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, are we looking at another deep class like we saw last year and maybe, you know, throw out a couple names here that these guys can start following? There is a ton of – I mean, this I'm, – I'm not going to say that this class is as good as last year's class, but it's pretty dang close. I mean, you have guys – we already mentioned the guys like Geis and Barkley. Uh, you obviously have Nick Chubb just kind of chilling, hanging out, doing his thing, who kind of gives you everything you want in a featured back. Royce Freeman from Oregon, another guy that kind of brings all that stuff to the table as well. Uh, Bryce Love, of course. Uh, very kind of, I don't want to say C.J. Spiller or Chris Johnson, but he he brings that speed, you know, essentially. You know, that's the big thing that he brings to the table is in terms of like a speed back. A chunk uh, running back. Exactly. You know, that kind of 40-yard, 50-yard play type guy. Uh, he brings that to the table. Uh, you, you, I mean, there's just so many. Ba- Philip Lindsay is another kind of blue collar guy uh, from Colorado who kind of brings a lot of a lot of uh, toughness to the table and can be kind of a bell cow. And of course, Rashad Penny from San Diego State. Uh, you know, another guy that uh, uh, is going to be at some of the bowl games this year as well. And he's definitely another guy who's also very impressive. Very uh, Garrett Bluntish in terms of like his overall running style as well. So. There's just too many backs to name, uh, obviously. Of course, the Sonny Michelle fans and everything else like that. But this is definitely a very deep running back class. And if you need a running back uh, to be your starting guy or to be a change of pace back, et cetera, you have more than enough options in this class. You know, if, if, whatever type of back you're looking for, you, you got it in this class. Exactly. So, guys, some, some of you guys at other NFL teams, look, don't be surprised and say, oh, why did we draft a running back? Sometimes when there's that much of a surplus, and look, you, you see the way it works at the running back position. You know, you end up, you know, look at teams like Green Bay, started three different running backs this year, and so many others. If they're available and there's an abundance of them and they're good, you get your hands on one because it's a young man's position, and the best thing to do is to have the youth. Uh, like James said, like James rattled off ten names for you. There's probably another three, four that he will admit that he omitted, and, you know, I could probably add as well. Another deep group, and it just seems, you know, this is starting to be a trend here. And maybe it's more because more colleges are starting to go to the running back by committee approach and accentuating the positives of certain guys. You look at Georgia's going to go into this game Monday night, three running backs deep. So it's just you start to see it. And, you know, I mean, obviously the players are being developed younger, uh, you know, at at the position. And that's how you get these guys that are this good, this fast. Uh, We're going to move on over to the wide receiver position. Uh, James, for me, uh, I understand, you know, sometimes age can be a factor. I do think right now the top dog in this group is Calvin Ridley. Uh, again, you know, when I get into route running and doing things the correct way, you know, his head turns with his hips when he opens out of a cut. The hands are right at the uh, right at the belt position in triangle formation. I'm a big Calvin Ridley guy, but I know there's some others that you like as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I I like Calvin Ridley as well. 
age in many ways, as I try to tell most people, age in many ways is, is it's the most uh, Mozart effect. You know, you're trying to find that prodigy. But the thing about prodigies is they're very, very rare. You're talking about a, a one percenter, you know, that that type of guy. So uh, even though Calvin Ridley is a guy that realistically you have to go back to like a Marvin Harrison uh, to kind of find a, a multiple Pro Bowl type uh, to kind of you know, within that age range. Marvin Harrison was older, too. He was like 24 years old when he entered uh, the draft during wow. his year. I forgot about that. He was pretty old. He was an older guy. Plus, that was back when uh, there was less declaration, uh, declaration, you know, guys declaring early, essentially, you know, back then as well. Uh, so there was a little bit older prospects, obviously, because there was less juniors and redshirt sophomores come out and stuff like that. But I do agree with you. I, I really do like Ridley as well in terms of his route running, just what he brings to the table um, speed-wise. Uh, big fan of Michael Gallup out of Colorado State. You've, been on, his, as well. you've been on him for a long time. For a long time, uh, and now people are starting to, to, to like him. But I, I just think he brings, uh, I, as I told one person, he's essentially like the Calvin Ridley of the Mountain West Conference. You know, he kind of brings very similar skill set. Um, not quite as fast, of course, but definitely brings similar in terms of body control and route running. Um, it kind of brings all that stuff to the table. Uh, big fan of Cortland Sutton as well. I think a lot of people that might have missed out on Mike Williams – you know, last year from Clemson, I think Cortland Sutton brings a lot of those Mike Williams-esque kind of traits, if you will, in terms of being a big body. You can kind of box people out uh, to get the ball. Uh, also, like DJ Moore at Maryland, um, he's another guy that uh, I've been coming on to a little bit as well, who's who's also impressed me. Uh, but this, I mean, this wide receiver class, Cam Phillips as well at Virginia Tech, you know, he's another uh, kind of interesting guy, but... Um, there's a lot of wide receivers in this class that I like. The only issue with the class is I don't have, which again, it's, it's kind of being spoiled, you know, because, because I think most draft people have been spoiled when we had the Julio Jones and the AJ greens, right. And the Calvin Johnson's, you know, we had those draft classes where we had these like crazy elite level, uh, type of athletes who also were good wide receivers. This class of wide receivers, I don't quite see like elite, elite type players if you will like that sort of superman level wide receiver but you don't really need to have that but i definitely see a lot of really really good guys that from day one are going to be nfl starters because a lot of those guys like calvin ridley like michael gallup in particular just those two guys just for example are guys that i think immediately when they enter the nfl they're going to be uh, a starting wide receiver for you and be a major contributor on whatever team they end up on Okay, one guy you didn't mention, and you know me, I'm always going to find a way to slip a seminal in here. Uh, obviously, you know, the production is, you know, obviously probably hurting a little bit in your system right now. But Auden Tate, and this is a reason I really like him Brown-wise is, is you know, I think high-pointing, I think hands-catching, you, know, uh, you know, just basically at times being able to bully guys. I think that's something that can translate when you're playing in a division like the AFC North. Uh, obviously, you know, playing with four quarterbacks in three years wasn't the best thing for him. But, uh, you know, some thoughts here early on Auden Tate. Yeah, I, I like Auden Tate as well. Uh, you are right about the production. At the midpoint of the season, his his production was actually pretty decent. And then for whatever reason, it just kind of tailed off towards the end. Uh, but I, I like him as well. I think in terms of, you know, he has sort of a tall kind of, you know, long body uh, able to high point the football, like you said, uh, has pretty good feet as well for a tall guy. Like that was the big thing about him uh, that I noticed about him is, is for kind of a taller, lankier guy, 
uh, very good movement skills for a guy like him. So very kind of fluid uh, player overall. Definitely has the power stuff, but uh, I I like him. Uh, I think uh, again the production stuff for whatever. I don't know. I, I know it's Florida State, man. I, it's not been the best year, obviously for Florida State. But but you know with all the quarterback, you know I, I won't I won't get into it. You know. You, you, yeah. But I, I, I'm just I'm happy with the way it ended. There's a coaching change. Every everything's good. It's positive. It's upbeat. Won their bowl game. But yeah, I mean, to for that week, you know, that week one playing Alabama, and it was okay to lose. But to see Francois go down, and even my wife like, like that, he was my, he yeah. was gonna get murdered. I mean, I was watching that game, yep. thinking to myself, oh my gosh! Like when I rewatched that game in particular with, with Francois, there were times where where again when you see a 300 pound guy in a red jersey coming like getting a clean shot on your quarterback it's never a good it's never it's never good to see that you know but it was but it was so, no different uh, it was no different in 16 cuz even in 16 he yeah. was in that little injury tent probably yeah. you know once twice a game and it was just look you know sometimes you know sometimes your heart's bigger than your brain and i think that's kind of what it is with Francois because he has enough running ability to say you know i got to get the heck out of dodge before i get killed but i think he thinks he can hang in there like he's 6 foot 5 and 230 but even my wife said after that, she's like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be a bad fall. For he you, thinks he's it? Cam Newton. Hey, hey, he thinks he's Cam Newton. That's probably the problem. He, you know, he, he's like, Cam would stay in here. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not Cam Newton. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You're not six foot five, 260 pounds, young man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so that was an Auden Tate here. Um, we're going to get to here. Uh, some guys obviously sent us some questions here. Uh, let's see what we got here. First one, uh, our good buddy, Brown's Mock Draft. Who are three, four? Uh, who are three to four guys in this draft class? And James, if you want to take it from the defensive side here, you're more than welcome to. Whose names most people haven't heard of, but the numbers show to this point they should be deserving more recognition than they're getting. Well, yeah, I think in terms of uh, you know on the defensive side of the football, Harrison Phillips uh, from Stanford is another guy that is getting a little bit more attention, but he's just a guy that popped like crazy in the production metrics. Anybody who watched Solomon Thomas last year, you know, and was a big fan of Solomon Thomas, he had a tag team partner, you know, who helped him out. And that was Harrison Phillips. And um, he was able to kind of, you know, pick up uh, where he kind of left off last year. Uh, But he's definitely been a guy that just based on, you know, just based on everything, really, in terms of, you know, his production, his film, um, just a really, really nice nose tackle who can bring, you know, a lot of, you know, bring a lot of different stuff to the table. Uh, I think cornerback-wise, my favorite kind of underrated cornerback, if you will, uh, in this class is MJ Stewart at North Carolina. Um, He's a guy who pretty much hit all the production marks that you're looking for. Um, Very solid all-around cornerback. Can pretty much do everything you want a guy to do. Very disruptive. Very solid tackler. Um, has experience playing, you know, fairly tough competition as well, uh, you know, in the uh, ACC. He just happens to play at North Carolina, where North Carolina just didn't have that great of a year. And, you know, obviously you're going to have, you know, some issues because of that. And I think the final guy who I think is, who I honestly think is kind of interesting is Frank uh, Ginda, which I'm probably saying that wrong, but he's a linebacker at San Jose State. Uh, He's very, very underrated guy, but he's just that sort of, uh, I don't want to say, but he's, he's very kind of short, stout, uh, kind of Coke machine build kind of linebacker type that just kind of hits everything that moves. And 
Um, he's been a guy that every time I've seen his film in the Mount West Conference, he's just been pretty dang solid. So he's another guy that I think is kind of an underrated defensive uh, player that could definitely end up becoming a starter on the right team. Okay, before I get a couple more from these guys, uh, Raquan Smith, Georgia. Um, I, I, I've commented plenty of times, you know, look, you know, I'm older than most, but my God, you know, you know, Ray Lewis, you know, everybody thinks he was this big, thick son of a gun. James Washington, o Oklahoma State, by the way, with a big one. Uh, reminds me of Ray Lewis. You know, Ray Lewis was a thinner middle linebacker, fast as day in the days of Miami. And I watch Raquan Smith, and it, 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 that's what it looks like to me. And it, the way this guy moves, you know, right to left, left to right, is ridiculous. And he is a damn, damn good football player. What is it looking like, you know, obviously for the numbers to this point and Raquan? Well, he's basically right next to Ray Lewis. I mean, that's the funny thing. You know, there are actual YouTube channels where they have old, old games. You know, old Miami games yep. uh, from oh, the nineties. Well, that's yeah. for about seven years. That was the best thing they were living on. Was their old football? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, Ray Lewis was not like. I mean, again, he gained some weight. You know, he was in the NFL for a while, so he definitely got you know a little bit, a little bit thicker in the midsection. You know, and uh, kind of like had a guard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that wasn't what he was in Miami. And, and, and with, with Smith, uh, he's by far the most productive linebacker in the class. Uh, he hits, I mean, every number you could think of that you want a linebacker to hit, he hits. He has the age of a potential prodigy player. He has the production, which is right up there with Ray Lewis in terms of his uh, solo tackle market share production. Uh, with you know almost pretty much 98 plus in terms of his you know solo tackle mark share score which you only really need to have 90 um, to get into that sort of uh multiple all pro kind of range and uh he's film wise i kind of I agree with pretty much everything you said i mean he's just a fantastic linebacker uh, very instinctive uh you know it's a guy that can hit can go sideline to sideline and you know pretty much does everything you want a middle linebacker to do so he's he is one of those guys in this class because normally you don't take linebackers or pursuit linebackers in the top 10 but with a guy like him just based on how everything is shaping up right now when you watch the film you look at the data obviously athleticism testing i think if it comes in it should go pretty well for him as well i mean that's a guy that if he just checks everything off that's a guy that i definitely would consider to be a top 10 overall player in this class Okay, some words on Raquan Smith. All my uh, for my Cavaliers fans, uh, Chris Manning does a great job with Locked On Cavaliers. Uh, you might want to check that out. Uh, you know, obviously now they're getting a little bit more of the difficult part of the schedule. You know, some you know getting a couple of losses here and there, but look, you know the Cavs. It's all about just you know moving along and getting themselves to the postseason. But by all means, check out Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. Uh, like I said, he does a fantastic job over there. You get five six shows a week on the Cavaliers. Chris has got you covered. All right, James, we're going to get to a couple more listener questions here. This one actually uh, was in reference to uh, if Drew Locke had declared, and it looks like Drew is staying the Missouri quarterback. Uh, what were the numbers like on Drew? Uh, Drew Locke's numbers are not that great. Uh, he had a no, touchdown dance. No, his touchdown <laughs> dance was very, uh, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, but it looked like he was putting on a backpack. I have no idea what that was. Uh, yeah, it kind of, it kind of, uh, uh, 
I, I don't know. It's just one. Of, it's one of those. It's like you, like going to a club and trying to dance, but you don't know how to dance, and you just kind of. I don't know what to do with my hands. I guess I'll just do this. <laughs> you know, like one of those things. But uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Drew Locke, uh, you know, in terms of his production, I mean, this year in particular, this was his best. The one thing I can say about Drew Locke is he has gotten better every year that he's been a player, which is what you want to see. But he went from being I think in 2015, he was a 7.7 out of 100 quarterback score guy to a 33.84 guy last year. And this year, a 68.13. So he has improved every year. But this year in particular, he really just comes out more as a potential starter. Uh, I don't really want to say Jay Cutler because even Jay Cutler was better in terms of just his, his, his uh, production at Vanderbilt. Uh, but Locke is a guy that there is there is potential there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've I've seen Locke. I think he brings a lot of Josh Allenish traits to the to the table. Obviously, he's not as bad as Josh Allen when it comes to um, decision making and stuff like that. But he's just really really inaccurate. I mean, that those are kind of the biggest sort of issue I always have with him is that his catchability of passes is not always on point. Um, he tends to kind of take too many chances and. Um, I think staying another year, you know, just stay another year. And I think if he peaks in his final year, I think there's a chance he could become a starter. But I just think this year in particular, based on his production data and based on just what I've seen of him on film, I just think that he's probably a year away before actually being ready for the NFL. Okay. Uh, and we have uh, two more here. Actually, this is this is one's actually fun. Uh, Pete Smith, now that I've taken this over, me and Pete have become pretty tight. He's been a, a predominant you know, force here on Locked On Browns, and he's done a great job helping me out. Can't thank him enough. Uh, and his was good, and this is actually something, you know, actually I think he loved you, you know, lobbed you up a softball here. He wanted to know what are the biggest mi- misconceptions about analytics and about the work that you do? I think the, big, the biggest misconception uh, out of all the misconceptions is that is that people just assume that we just write players off just because they miss one particular data point, uh, if you will. Uh, For example, like with Deshaun Watson last year, Deshaun Watson was a guy who hit every single production mark imaginable, but had the gun data come back where he didn't hit, he didn't quite hit, you know, the, you know, the, the amount of miles per hour he needed to hit on his, uh, on, uh, with the gun data and, you know, uh, with the velocity data, basically. And when it comes to data, data is to help you make a decision based on all the information. It's not something where if a guy fails one thing that you just completely take that guy off your board. It's supposed to be like you're supposed to use data as part of your process as like every part of your process. You know, you're supposed to take film, obviously, like I am a film guy. I watch film like everybody else, but I also add in data, which gives me a little bit more information about a player to form a stronger opinion or to go back and watch film. And I think the biggest misconception about data in general is just the fact that people just assume that data is just you put a bunch of numbers in and it spits out all the players that are going to be good. When a lot of times you put in all the numbers, it spits out a list of players that could be good. And then it's your job to go watch the film and kind of whittle down your process there. And of course, do the player interviews and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, data is a complementary part of the process, just as film is a complementary part of the process. But I think if you 
do film and you do data and you do the character evaluation stuff and you kind of marry all that stuff together, I think that's when you actually start to hit on players more often. That's when you start to have a better process because I think the moment that you say that you know everything, you know, because again, I've been doing film, I've been doing data work and watching film for over four years, uh, and I still don't know everything, you know. But the moment you say that you know everything and you don't need data because you, you don't need it because you know everything about film, that's the moment you start making mistakes. That's the moment that you start, uh, you know, missing on players. So I think the biggest thing about data is it keeps you honest. And it, it basically is a way for your process to grow and learn about things that you didn't know about and just improve yourself because everybody can improve. It doesn't matter who you are. But even Bill Belichick can improve on his process, and he's been doing it for, you know, obviously decades. But even he would admit that he probably knows some things that he doesn't know, um, even at this point in his career. Well, and that's why the man has the largest, you know, library of football books there is. Uh, one more here, and this has obviously got to be from a subscriber to the YouTube channel. Will he ever change the intro music in his YouTube videos? Seriously? Question mark. Well, <laughs> uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> probably not. And here's why. I had one intro song for my older videos, which honestly was terrible. It sounded like a fire alarm with like techno music going off in the background. Uh, and that was pretty bad. So then I just went with a different music and I forgot what it was called. I think it's called good for nothing or, or something like that, but it's one of the more popular music. Cause the thing about YouTube music is you have to use music that doesn't have a license, obviously, cause otherwise you don't, you don't make any money, but it's a popular song. I like it. Uh, a lot of my fans like it. So I probably won't change it. I think there's, you know, I think when it comes to the, intro music it's to get you into a certain type of vibe you know a certain type of way of feeling and uh, i think that intro music in particular it, it puts you into a you know a vibe to listen to me so i probably won't change it. i might change it in the future but at least right now I don't, I don't see any real reason to uh to make any changes look you gotta have a brand james you gotta have a brand you know exactly yeah okay uh this has been locked on browns episode 140 James Coburn, like I said, uh, follow him on Twitter at Jim's Metric, uh, Jim Metrics. Jim, one more time, let them know where they can find the YouTube channel at. Sure, uh, you can uh, find the YouTube channel at uh, Common Man Football uh, on YouTube. You can just type that in, or you could honestly just type in NFL Analytics into the search bar because I'm pretty much the only guy doing it <laughs> analytics on YouTube. So there you uh, go. You You'd easily just type in NFL analytics into YouTube and my uh, a lot of my videos will pop up. Uh, James, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been way too long. Uh, you know, it was nice to, you know, chop it up here. Uh, look, uh, I know you're going to make your way to Mobile. I know you're going to be down in Tampa for the Shrine game. Uh, you know, you ever want to pop on here? Uh, you know, guys are wanting to, you know, the fans are going to want to know what's going on down there. So you are more than welcome. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, sure. I can, I can definitely come on here if you need me to. Uh, after going and checking out the Shrine game and uh, obviously going to the Senior Bowl as well. So it's going to be – it's crazy to think it's only a couple weeks from now. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy uh, to kind of go to all those events. It, it's, it's, it's insane how fast the football season goes. I mean, you play once a week. You know, baseball plays every day, and it seems – you know, and I love baseball. It seems like baseball season goes on forever. It seems like the football season, man, you sneeze, it's game day, and then you sneeze, it's game day, and the next thing you know, it's Christmas, and football's gone. It's amazing how fast it goes. 
But I want to thank James. Guys, like I said, follow him out. Uh, you know, he's going to have you covered. Uh, you know, he just gave you production numbers tonight. Now, uh, you know, what you're going to get in the coming weeks, you know, obviously after the combine and obviously the all-star games where we start to get, you know, heights and weights and arm length and hands. And yes, this is how in deep, this is how deep in, in intense it gets. You know, and James will have it broken down to this guy measures like so-and-so, has production like so-and-so. So this is the stuff you need, uh, you know, and you know, help you, you know, start to learn a little bit more about these players. Uh, please, guys, keep following the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Uh, you guys are doing a great job, you know, supplying me with guests that you want to hear. I'm able to get them on here. So you guys are, you know, listening to people that you want to listen to. Uh, we're doing a great job here. Uh, almost another 50%, uh, up 50% in listenership this month. You know, just continuing to to grow grow it here, which I am so thankful to all of you for. I want to thank James. Make sure, like, you're following him. Follow me personally on Twitter, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Anything you need about the show or you want to hear, tweet to at Lockdown Browns. This has been the Thursday edition of Lockdown Browns, brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. You need a promo code. Use the Lockdown. Thanks, guys, so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.